Welcome to Joy and Learning, a podcast from the Harley School in Rochester, New York. We are an independent school for nursery through grade 12, where there's always lots of interesting learning going on for us to share with you. Today I spoke with Tina Durham, Harley's nutritionist, about some changes to our menu and the complexities of feeding a diverse community. Enjoy. I am here with Tina Durham, nutritionist who is working with Harley. Tina, welcome. Thank you. Could you just take a quick second and introduce yourself? Um, my, my question is um, how you're involved with Harley. How did, how did that get started and what does that look like now? Okay. Um, so my name is Tina Durham. I'm a nutritionist. Um, I have my master's degree in nutrition from the New York Chiropractic College. Um, I was contracted out in the spring of last year to come in and look at Harley's menu um, and make sure that it was nutritionally sound, number one. Number two, that there was um, enough options for children that may be vegan or gluten-free, that it was reasonable trade-off. So how did you, uh, let's go back a little bit. How did you get involved in nutrition? What is it that that sort of sparked that interest in you personally before you uh, went to school? So I, um, a few years back, so my second son is eight. And when he turned two, I had a really hard time with body image. Um, and I joined a, a community of women that um, work out and learn how to eat well and, and all of this, you know, stuff. And uh, I started working out on the regular and then I started helping other people work out and eat well. And I was noticing how quickly things were changing if they were eating well, like not necessarily the workouts because I was a fitness instructor, too. I taught fitness classes um, and I really went hard. Like I, I would go after these people. Um, they'd be sweating, burning a thousand calories a class and everything. And they looked the same every single week. There wasn't a lot of change. And so then I noticed that it was once they really started learning how to do portion control, eat foods that weren't in boxes, um, drink more water, pay attention to their sleep, like all of these other things ended up being just as important, if not more important than a daily um, workout. So that's how I noticed that 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 was really the key. Um, And it sparked my interest in nutrition. And I just kind of kept following um, following that path. And and I went to. get my master's degree in nutrition. Excellent. And how did you wind up here? Um, actually, I don't, I don't remember who's gave my name to Harley, but some, but Harley had put out that they were looking for a nutritionist, um, to come in and, and make sure their menus were, um, okay. And that they were doing everything right. And, um, to improve and somebody gave my name. Just word of mouth, really. Interesting. That's great. So uh, you started last year. Mm-hmm. What has happened since? What are, what are some of the milestones of, of your time since you've been here? Um, so the first thing um, was I came in and I met Vicki, who is lovely. By yeah, she's great. She's really fabulous. Um, and the kitchen staff, which is really good. And they work very hard to provide really good meals that the kids will eat. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily super, super, super healthy Um, but they're somewhere in the middle so that they actually eat them and they don't just throw them out. You know, you have to worry about waste too. Um, so I met with them and went over everything. And, uh, the first change we made was for lower school, um, the snack in the morning, it used to just be like a cereal bar. Um, and, and that, that actually will spike a person's blood sugar and then crash a person's blood sugar. 
So then the person ends up being hungrier after they've eaten something like that than they are if they pair their foods together with something that has fiber. So the first thing that I identified was that um, should be either taken away or being be a two-part snack, being fruit and cheese stick. You know, something simple like that, but it helps the, the carbs in the fruit digest slower being paired with a fat or a protein. And then obviously like the fiber that's in the, um, the fruit skins <clears throat> help the sugar digest slowly so that there's no blood sugar spiking and crashing. And it's more of a level gradual energy increase because when you run on blood sugar spiking, like you have a half of a bagel for breakfast or you have coffee with cream and sugar and you just up, down, up, down, um, all day long, it, leads to increased irritability, anxiety, mood swings, changes, those kinds of things, headaches. Um, and it just makes you not ready to learn, not ready to be able to sit and focus um, and be present in your environment because your your body's doing something else. So what are some of the other things that that you've instituted? Uh, so you started with lower school snacks. Mm -hmm. um, what, el what else have you done since you've been here? So um, I didn't do a whole lot for the summer program, but since we came back in um, September, um, we went over peanut butter was one of the first things that we addressed. Um, there's not a whole lot of children here that have a peanut allergy, number one. It's very, peanut allergies are very prevalent in the United States. And I think, and I, you know, research I've done, I think it comes from the fact that we've withheld peanut butter for so long. I mean, Doctors would tell us withhold peanut butter until they're one. Um, and then it actually will cause an allergy. Most of it is genetic. Most allergies are genetic, but some of them are caused um, by withholding it. Um, and now actually at the pediatrician at their three-month appointment, or maybe it's their six-month appointment, um, the doctors will give them a sample package of peanut butter so that if they do have a, a reaction, it's there in the doctor's office where they're safe and can be you know, taken care of. But I think it's because we withheld for so long in the generation, um, you know, before before me. So the peanut allergies, um, it won't cause anaphylaxis unless the child with the peanut allergy actually ingests it. So there's not really a worry for cross-contamination or if they touch it on a lunch table or they touch the same garbage can that it was thrown in. It's not that kind of allergy. It's It has to be ingested. So if they eat it, then that can cause, you know, an allergic reaction or anaphylaxis. But as far as it being, we kept it in um, uh, single serve packages so that there was no chance of like using a peanut butter knife on a non-peanut, but you know, so it's all in single serve packages um, to, to keep everybody safe, but there's no need to really keep it from the other children that don't have peanut butter, peanut issues um, for the, you know, sake of the two or three, as long as they just don't ingest it, I think we can live harmoniously and have, have both. Mm -hmm. Um, so we did peanut butter first and then, um, so juice was taken away. <laughs> oh, you're getting right to the tough question. I know. I know. I'm sorry, guys. No, that's great. So juice, um, it was thought for a long time that juice, if it was a hundred percent was good for you, but the process of juicing, um, and not juicing where you use like celery and you get green juice, not that kind of juicing. The, the manufactured juicing is where they press the fruit out. They pull all the water out of the fruit. So the fruit skin and the meat of the fruit, like the inside of an apple, that's where all of the fiber, the vitamins, the nutrients, everything is in the meat and the skin. And so when they um, squeeze all the water out, it's called fructose. 
and they throw away all the good stuff and they put the fructose in a bottle and water it down and that's what they sell to you. So 100% juice is kind of a, um, a marketing gimmick where they made you think it was better than the competitor so they can charge you more money and you think you're giving your child something better, but it actually is only sugar. There's no nutritional value in juice at all. Um, and then it just spikes and crashes blood sugar levels. So it's it, it and it's, it's also actually associated with obesity in children. So I'm not saying you can never have juice. I'm not saying that juice is evil, but do we need to serve it here every day so that they have it every single day? No, no. Okay. Um, and the last one we did was milk. Yep. Um, so milk in and of itself, your body stops making what's called lactase reductus after the age of seven. Um, and it makes milk very difficult to digest. Plus the processing of milk, how it how it's actually processed, is they pasteurize it um, so that there's no bacteria in there and it's safe for human consumption. But when they pasteurize it, they kill off what's what the lactase that's in the milk itself. So they kill that off, making the milk that you buy in the store even harder for you to digest because your body doesn't make it and now it's not in the milk. So the lactose that's in the milk, which is a milk sugar, requires lactase to be broken down. Most people have a dairy sensitivity or an allergy. It's about 80% of Americans have an issue uh, with dairy to some degree. So it can be as little as, um, you know, like inflammation. You can get mucus feeling on the back of your throat, um, increased sinus infections. Um, it can be even as much as like eczema. It can be one of the root causes of any skin issues and um, rashes, those types of things. Um, so that also, and milk is also associated with, um, childhood obesity. So not only do we not need it, our body has a hard time breaking it down and, um, it's kind of a poor source of calcium. It's always been known to be a great source, but it's associated with higher rates of osteoporosis in older generations than, than people who don't have, um, milk. So it's really not, um, you know, needed after the age of, age of seven. And so Harley takes, you know, you're taking it out one time a day. Again, same thing as I said with juice. It doesn't mean that milk is evil. It doesn't mean that you can never have milk, but but it's not necessary to every single meal. We've been conditioned since the depression to think that milk is every single, I mean, even as a child, I had milk at every single meal growing up. Um, but it and I'm lactose intolerant <laughs> and I've had it at every single meal growing up. And now as an adult, I realize like when I have it, my body reacts to it. It is a foreign um, substance. So our bodies don't do very well on it. Um, there's not a lot of calcium in it as we thought there was. And, and in actuality, you can get your calcium from a cup of broccoli. There's just as much in milk in broccoli as there is in milk or almonds um, are also high in calcium. So um, you know, you can get your calcium from your other sources. And I know that, you know, the staff downstairs, they do a great job at getting vegetables out there, vegetables being a part of, you know, lunch every day. Um, so, you know, the kids can have milk at home with parents if you choose. Um, if not, that's okay too. It won't really affect their, their growth and development. So we just didn't feel it was necessary to keep putting it out there. Okay. I think that's a great explanation. Um, and, and I appreciate you taking that time to thoroughly explain it that way. Um, that, that helps a lot. Um, and, and as someone who has not had any dairy for over 25 years, I understand completely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. D dairy can do horrible things to people who, yep. 
are yeah. <laughs> straight up intolerant. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, it's it's 50% of children, school-age children, are actually dehydrated. So what they should be drinking is water. Water is your body's favorite, you know, fluid anyways. It's it's used in all of your functioning. Um so we just want to push the water more mm-hmm. than yep. the juice and the, and the milk. Yep. I agree. I agree. Uh, so you mentioned um, the nut allergies and you sort of uh, talked a little bit about the sort of varying community that we have here and the fact that we have um, vegan, vegetarian, uh, gluten-free, um, uh, onion-free folks. Uh, that's a tough community to try to create meals for every day. Uh, we've got like 700 people who eat here every day. Uh, how do you balance something like that? And how do you try to create a program that that works for everyone? So I think I may have been one of the most perfect people to come here with with that exact issues. And here's why. I don't eat a whole lot of gluten because it doesn't make me feel good. I'm not allergic to it, but you know, I get pretty bloated when Mm -hmm. I eat um, gluten. So I don't have a whole lot of gluten in my food at home that I cook for my kids. I have a range of children at home, 10, 8, and 3. So I have to deal with their palates. And my husband has awful acid reflux, but it's caused by onions. So I can't cook with onions. Um, And then my very best friend is a vegan. So I've had to learn how to cook vegan. um, And I've had to, you know, move recipes around and learn how to live without onions. I love onions. So I have to learn how to live without that. And um, so, so I think I just base it off of, you know, my life experiences. Um, I coach a wide range of women, including vegans and, uh, for years. And so they've brought up certain concerns, like where do I get my protein from and how do I, I don't want it to just be, oh, you just take the meat out and now it's vegan. You know, I want it to be a, a real vegan meal. Um, and you know, my husband, like I said, having to take the onions out and also still be palatable for my kids. So I have, made meal plans and recipes for these people that I love for years. So I have a real deep background in in making food for everyone. That's great. Uh, so we're trying to sort of get kids on a path of thinking about what they're eating and trying to be healthy in in their choices. Why is it important for them to do that here? and at this stage? Um, well, I think that learning to eat as soon as you can is the only way to really ensure that you've got health um, for, for a long time. Um, I feel like <clears throat> I was never taught how to eat, okay? You, well, to be fair, to be fair, everyone's taught how to eat. We we learn from our parents we, and their parents learn from their parents. And you learn from your college roommate or your best friend or your, so on, your neighbor doesn't like this and, you know, whatever. you It's it's all cultural, the way that we eat here in America. Um, but it doesn't make it correct. Um, it's not wrong, but it's not necessarily correct for your body. So I think that nutrition is one of those things that gets overlooked because it's just food and who cares? But as time goes on, we're learning that there's a lot of relation to what you put in your body and how your body responds and functions. So with children, you know, they they uh, their taste buds tend to be on the sweeter side. So they like sweets and stuff like that. Now, as parents, we want to kind of, you know, fight that like no sugar for my kids. But that's what they're drawn to, you know. 
Um, so you just, it's okay to have those things, but you have to teach them moderation. So I think for children, um, you know, you want to learn how your body responds to certain foods. Like there, there are days that if you eat very empty, nutritionally, you know, context food, um, you feel drained, you feel like you have a headache, you've got, you know, anxiety, you're running on empty, you're exhausted by seven, you know, all of these things, they impact your entire life. They impact how well you're going to do in sports. Um, if you do that after school, they impact, you know, if, if your irritability at home, um, it causes tension with your parents. Like it, it's just so, it's so multifaceted. It affects every single part of your life. Um, eating does. So I think eating well is important if, if we're going to be our best self. Um, and I think if you know better, then you should do better. And Harley, um, you guys, I mean, can I speak just off the cuff? Um, I've seen a lot of menus, a lot of school menus. And I can tell you that pre-COVID Harley and what we're getting back to now, you guys have the best menu nutritionally around that I've ever seen. So we're giving kids a really great foundation jumping off point so that when they leave our school, when they you know get in their car, maybe they don't drive through McDonald's five days a week. You know, maybe they just go twice because, you know, they're hungry still for dinner when they get home. So you need to eat a lot of calories being a child because you're growing and developing. But you also need the vitamins and minerals that are in our fruits and vegetables um, and not so much of the trans fat, saturated fats that's in the fried fast food. Again, doesn't mean it's evil. It doesn't mean you can never have it. But those foods are supposed to be um, reserved for in a quick pinch when you don't have time to make your own food, when you don't have um, the ability or you got to run from here to here and you just got to grab something real quick, um, those are supposed to be in a pinch foods, not all the time foods. So I think that Harley is laying a great foundation by teaching children to eat whole foods as much as possible and that a healthy food can taste good. Yeah, and I think that that does speak to a lot of what goes on in this building, that there are a lot of things that sort of touch points that we have with kids throughout the day. And I think it's great for you to articulate how deeply thought out this one touch point is. Uh, and I think there are a lot of other stories like that uh, that parents don't necessarily get to see. Uh, but I think hearing you say that and um, understanding a little bit better about how much work and how much thought has really gone into what kids are eating here uh, is super helpful. So I wanna thank you for being here today and thank you for all the work you're doing. Absolutely, happy to be here. Thanks for joining us today on Joy in Learning, the Harley Schools podcast. We look forward to sharing interesting stories, discussing educational topics, and exploring ideas with you on our next episode. See you again soon.